Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you'll be encouraged with the message today. It's great to have you in church this morning. I welcome all our guests right at the end of the service. But we thank God for the gift of life. Amen. It's great to be grateful. It's great for us to tell God, Lord, I just want to thank you that I am alive today. There are other people who would have loved to be alive today, and they're not here. But by God's pure grace has made it possible that we be alive in this day. It means our life has a purpose, and our life has a meaning. Amen? So it's great to have you in church. Um. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We are going to read verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2. We are going to read verse 10. That's our key scripture on the topic, how to leave a lasting legacy in life. I think we can add that. How to leave a lasting legacy. So I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 2. We are going to read verse 10. And then later on, we'll read a few more scriptures uh, from there. If you found it, say amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I want us to read it together. You read it in your Bible. I'll read it in mine. But I'll let you read yours first, and then I'll read mine. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's read it together. It's on the screen as well. One, two, three, go. Amen. So the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A few things that I want us to pick from there. Number one, the Bible is saying, we are not here by mistake. We are here because God purposely made it that we should be here. Hallelujah. So you can actually conclude from that scripture that there is no human being who is on planet earth who is a mistake. Hallelujah. God purposely made it that you and I should be here on planet earth at such a time as this. We are the result of God working in our lives and creating, creating us to be who we are. So the Bible says we are created in Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus. And then it adds, we were not created just for the sake of being created. The Bible says we were created for good works. Hallelujah. So we're not created for bad works. We were created for good works. And I'm going to show you another scripture just now to actually buttress that point that you were indeed created for good works. So the Bible says we were created for good works. But these good works are not good works that we have to, uh, to 
assume or to try to think about, the Bible adds, it says that these good works were created beforehand. So long before we were created, God knew you were going to be here at such a time as this. And when you are here, he created, the Bible says, good works specifically for you. And he mandated and decided that you will walk in those good works long, 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 long before you were born. Hallelujah. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 9. And then we are not, not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And then we'll read Ecclesiastes chapter 7 as well. I just want to say some things here. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and in verse 11, having understood that we are God's workmanship, having understood that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them with the understanding that as we were born on planet earth, we were born to stand out in life. Hallelujah. I want you to understand that we were born to stand out in life. Now, the Bible says in verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, it says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, no riches to men of understanding, no favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Hallelujah. So what the Bible is saying, after you came on planet earth, and, it, and the Bible has tried to put different kinds of people. As you walk on the face of the earth, you're going to find some people that are like Usain Bolt. People who are very fast in life. And the Bible is saying that, the race does not only belong to people like Usain Bolt. The people who win in life are not only like Usain Bolt, who can run 100 meters in less than 10 seconds. The Bible says the race is not to the swift. So you will find in life that there are other people who have gone ahead of you, but that does not mean things will be like that forever. Hallelujah. Because the Bible is saying, Time and chance happen to them all. So even those who seemingly are seen to be slow in life, the Bible is saying God gives them a chance. So in this life, God is going to give you a chance to become everything that God intended you to become. Hallelujah. And then he says, know the battle to the strong. So again, that's another clear indication. That there are strong people on earth, and we can also say there are weak people. Not all of us can carry 100 kgs at once. Sometimes I actually get amazed when I see people who can carry 85 kilos. They just bend down and lift it up as if it was some one kilogram something. But the Bible says, no, the battle, the battle is not to the strong. That's why it says, and now let the weak say, I am strong. 
Let the poor say, I am rich in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. So even though you face battles of life, and actually that's the reality of life. In life, you are going to face battles. If you don't face battles in life, then you are not alive. In life, we face battles. But the Bible says the battle is not to the strong. It's not only strong people who win battles in life. Even those that are looked at as if they are weak, the Bible says God is able to make them win battles in life. So I want to declare upon your life, you're going to win this part of life. You're not going to be a victim of life. You're going to win this battle in life. It may look like, it may not look like so. But let God be true and every man a liar. And then it says, no bread to the wise. There are some people when they speak, like Ahithopel in the Bible. The Bible says there was a man called Ahithopel. And when Ahithopel speaks, it was like the gods are speaking. There are some people, you look at them and you wonder, how do they think? Where did they take time to think? When did they take time to think about this? And you look like you are very dull. So the Bible says, even those that seemingly look dull in life, they'll make it in life. There, there are groups of people, sometimes you sit in a group of people, you look at them, they are busy talking, you say, as for me, I'll keep quiet. I don't want to embarrass myself here. Let those who know how to talk, talk. For me, I'll keep quiet. But the Bible says, even those of us who are able to keep quiet, we'll still win in life. Amen. Hallelujah. And then it says, no riches to men of understanding. So even where people, it's, it's amazing actually in life, you look at some people, everywhere they see an opportunity. And you wonder like, hey, when, do you, when are you able to see things that some of us don't see? You don't see any business opportunity. Somebody sees something. That's why sometimes you see somebody begins to make mandasi. Everybody begins to make mandasi too. It just means that they haven't seen. And then somebody begins to make mandasi and add jam in the middle. They will also follow. Hallelujah. But the Bible says, you know what? Riches are not only given to men of understanding. So those of us that even seem like we can't see anything where people see everything, the Bible says we will still become rich. And you know the reason why. Number four, and then later on it says, no favor to men of skill. There are some people who are skilled in life. Let's be honest. For one minute, let us be honest and say, hey, some people, it looks like God favored them. But the Bible is saying, no favor to men of skill. So favor comes to anyone else. In Psalm 102, verse 13, he says, he will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her has come. The set time. There will come a point in your life whereby you will go like, where were all these things? Why, were, why was I not able to see these things? Amen? Amen. Because, and then it finishes, it says, time and chance happen to them all. 
my prayer for you is, when your time has come, when your chances come, don't squander it. Because the window of opportunity in life doesn't open like this. It opens. Oh. And you need to say, Lord, help me. Is this the window or a door? Every human being on planet Earth will be given an opportunity and a chance in life to become everything that God intended them to become according to the scripture we read in Ephesians chapter 2. So let's look at what then happens. Ephesians chapter 7, 29. Ephesians 7, 29. If you are there, tell me, yes, I'm there. You are not yet. No, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 7, 29. Not Ephesians. Ecclesiastes. So possibly I have moved you back. from. You were very close. You just needed to go back. Ecclesiastes 7.29. Are you there? So the Bible says, Truly, this only I have found. Now, before we carry on, when somebody says, he or she is the only child of his parents or her parents, how many children are in that family? One. So if somebody becomes and begins to argue and go like, no, 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 there are two. What are you going to say? Hmm? Answer. If somebody comes and says, no, 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 there are two. What are you going to say? Huh? Where is the other one? Yeah, the, he's the first and last one. Thank you, ma'am. So now, it says, so I'm going to ask him, where is the other one? If you are saying that, there's another one. So when the Bible says, this truly, this only I have found, it means there is no other. It's more or less like the first and the last. Now, let's see what Ecclesiastes found. Let's go to the next part. It says, that God made man upright. Hallelujah. So every human being, when we are born on earth, we are made up right. There is no human being on planet earth who is born crooked. There is no human being on planet earth who is born wicked. There is no human being on planet earth who is born bad. The Bible says, truly this, this only I have found. That God made man upright. And then all over the story changes. It says, but. The moment the word but comes, the story has changed. It says, but they have sought out many schemes. So at some point, we move from this being upright. And then we go another direction. Now, despite that that happens in life you would discover that on planet earth, all of us, all of us, all of us are born with one or one deep human need. And one deep human need every human being has on earth 
is they want to make an impact that will last long after they die. Every human being wants to be remembered. Even the ones that look like they don't want to be remembered. There are others who remember them. Every human being has a desire to make an impact on planet earth. That they should be remembered. So there are so many things that people do. We saw last week, there are people try to go towards accomplishments. There are people who try to, do, to, to, to really come up with some really, really amazing achievements in life. There are people who write books. There are people who build buildings and write their names on those buildings. And we saw last week that interestingly, all these things fade away. They leave a temporary legacy. We were in Chichewa service on uh, last week. And I think I asked one of the young men in church. I said, do you know Kamuzubanda? And the, and the young boy said, yeah. I'm like, hey, if it was in those days, you said what you said, we are going to be arrested. <laughs> she says, for, for the crocodiles. I said, but you know what? There, there is a generation today. You ask them, do you know Kamuzu Banda? And they don't know him. They don't. Even, even if I ask others, some of you here, say, do you know Dr. Kamuzu Banda? There are people who say, no, I don't. They may actually even say, is it a building? Or is it a bridge? Or is, is it a hospital? A lot of the things that we take our time on, they are good, but they are temporary. And I stated last week that there is only one thing, one thing that remains for the rest of life is that somebody one day should be able to tell you, I am here in heaven because of you. I'm here in heaven because of you. The greatest thing you can do in life is to help somebody secure their eternal salvation. One day heaven and earth will pass away. One day. So there's no greater legacy than that. So we saw so many things. We saw Mark 16, 15 where Jesus says, wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we saw that we are called to be witnesses for Christ and not lawyers for Jesus. You don't need to defend God. You don't need. One, I, I love it that when God called us, he never said, okay, so you go on planet F and go there and begin to defend me. He can defend himself. We are called to be witnesses for Christ. And the, break, the greatest witness you can give is the story of your life. In Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, we read it last week. Jesus says, I've given you authority. I've given you the mandate to bring people into my kingdom. And there's a saying I love to say. Somebody eventually put it in a frame. But I love to tell people this, that the only things we carry across are the spiritual. The only thing you carry with you when we cross, after we finish this life and we are crossing the other side, are only spiritual things. Anything else remains. The buildings will remain. The books will remain. The degrees will remain. Everything will remain. All these things are nice. 
And I always encourage people, plan your life as if Jesus is not coming back. But live your life as if he's coming tomorrow. So that there's no room for laziness. You can't say, hey, we are here, we are waiting for Jesus. No, 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 no. You need, Paul said it one time. He says, those who don't work should not eat. So you can't wait and say, oh no, we are praying that Lord should provide. In this day and age, there is no manna. They don't give manna anymore. The people wake. Hallelujah. So you have to understand that. But the only things you will carry across when we finish this journey on earth will only be spiritual things. So in Matthew chapter 4, 19, Jesus talking to his disciples, he says, come with me, I'll teach you how to bring people in instead of fish. And I ask the question, will anyone be in heaven because of you? Have you led anyone to Christ? In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we saw that Paul writes and says, we are Christ's representatives and through God, through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. That's all we are begging. That you can have a relationship with God again. That you can make peace with God again. That you can come back to God. That's God's desire. Amen? That's God's what? Desire. So you don't need some special personality. You don't need, you don't need to be a great salesman. And you don't need to be great and persuading people for them to come to God. Just as you are. And we started looking at five things last week. I just wanted to finish today showing you that no, no matter how we may look different, we are all the same. And last week we looked at three things. I'll quickly go through them and then I'll finish with the last two today so that we can have Holy Communion. The first thing I said is that every person on earth that you meet, as long as they are called a human being, they have the same desires that you do. Every human being. And we looked at Matthew chapter 6, 31 to 33. It says that all of us ask, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Every human being, born again or not born again, want to wear clothes. It's only the ones that something has happened in their life. Which we call they are mad. That sometimes you see them walking. But even other people who are mad, they still have got this understanding in their head. I need to wear clothes. All of us have got the desire. It's a desire all of us have. And that's why some of you, when you have really dressed very nice and nobody says, you look beautiful, you get angry. You get angry. Because all of us, we have the same desires. And the Bible says, don't worry about that. I already know you need these things. But you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 11, the Bible says he has planted humanity in every human heart. 
Even though people may say, hey, no, there is no God. And what, 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 what. There is a point in somebody's life that you realize, no, there is more to life than what I'm seeing right now. There is something called humanity that has been planted in our minds. That has been planted in our hearts. We all have got dreams. We, we all have got this understanding that there is more to life than what we are experiencing right now. If I was going to ask and say, can you tell me, can you truly tell me that your life right now, you have reached the climax. That you say for me, when I was born on earth, all I was looking for was this life. You will realize that there is always more that you desire to have. And the Bible says, God has planted that in us. Every human being knows that there is something missing. And unfortunately, because we realize that something is missing, we try to fill that hole with many different things. We try to fill it with sex. We try to fill it with salary. We try to fill it with status. We try to fill it with money. We try to fill it with passions and possessions and, and positions and looking good and feeling good. And having the goods. But the challenge is that this God-shaped vacuum in our lives, only God can fill it. Amen? Anything we try to do, it leaves us unsatisfied. It doesn't satisfy the hunger that we all have for meaning and significance. So there's a far better life we saw last week. That Jesus says in John 10, 10, in the message version, the Bible says, I came so they can have a real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's the real life. All of us long for self-worth, significance. We all have got this hunger to feel that we belong to a family. Where a person feels rejected, Actually, one of the worst things you will suffer in life is rejection. Anyone else in this place has been rejected before? I like telling people a very interesting story. So, I was a young man one day. And I had ambitions just like any other young man. And you know, a certain age comes up in life when you feel like, I need to find you know, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I need to find. So I found. So I had a girlfriend. And I thought things were great. And then she dumped me. That's nice. You, you think, uh, Pastor McDuff, you're not strong. But I almost committed suicide. So when I hear people, somebody, hey, somebody has, has killed themselves because a girl dropped him or because a boy dropped, dropped her, I, I feel for them. Those of you who haven't been dumped, we pray for you. <laughs> but those of us who have gone through that, we know what it is. We know what it is. I went into depression. And for me to show you how weak I am, I even repeated first day in college because of a girl. But see what God has done. 
He picks us up. He washes us. He gives us another opportunity and chance in life. If the Bible says time and chance is given to them all, including those of us who repeated in college, including those of us who were dumped, including those of us who were rejected, including those of us who have gone through hard times in life, time and chance is given. You shouldn't rule out your life. I always tell people, God has got a contract with your life and it's written never to leave you nor forsake you. If you're going to leave, it's you. If you're going to forsake him, it's you. But as far as he's concerned, you will not do it. Hallelujah. That should give you hope. Hallelujah. So we all long for all these things. We all long to, we all feel, we all desire to feel we belong. Hallelujah. And what we are offering is what every human being is looking for. Number two, we say that every human being you see on planet earth has the same questions. Believer or non-believer that you have. Several questions that people have. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, And God has put questions in our minds about the past and about the future. One of the questions we struggle with about the past is, This mess I have created for my life, can it be redeemed? The answer is yes. Proverbs 23.18 says, There is a hereafter. Our hope in the Lord will not be cut off. Proverbs, uh, is it Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I think toward you. They are thoughts of peace. The plans are for good. To give you hope. To give you a future. When, whenever you see people, somebody has lost hope. When we lose hope, that's when we begin to lose battles in life. You need to keep the hope alive. No matter what is going on, keep the hope alive. Number one, I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God created beforehand that I should walk in them. Whether I walk in them crawling or whatever, I walk. Hallelujah. I walk. I'm not going to give up on life. You need to do that. I am not going to give up on life. Can my past mistakes be redeemed? Yes, they can. They can. Will the world judge you? Yes, they will. Will the world tell you you are a failure? Yes, the world will. You failed. So what? Who has not failed in life? We all of us have failed. If you haven't failed yet, we'll pray for you that you should fail. So you can join us. Every human being at one point or the other in life, you're going to fail. The funny thing with life, life is funny. It always doesn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. But in spite of that, even though some things haven't gone right in our lives, there are some things that have gone right in our lives. And we are grateful to God for that. So we ask ourselves questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Does my life have any purpose? What happens after I die? What is my significance? Hallelujah. This one is working. Okay. But what I'm saying is, God is not a God of confusion. You were not created for confusion. Number four. Anyone, anyone can be served. If you just listen to their unmet need 
and their hidden hurt in life. Anyone can be served. And this is the reason why I say, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. Anything you have gone through in life, God can use it for his glory. The reason is very simple. So, I gave you an example just right now. That first year in college, two things happen. Number one, dumped by a girl. Number two, repeat in college. Now, anyone who has never been dumped by a girl or a boy before, they don't know how painful it is. And they will tell you this. You come there, you are crying. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. And they will tell you, it is well. Which is well? What is well? Tell me what is well. It's okay. It's, no, it's not okay. You need somebody who's, who will tell you, you know what? I understand what you're going through. I have been where you are right now. But this is not the end of life. Things will turn out okay. Hallelujah. You need somebody. So anything you have been through in life, one day, one day, one day, God wants to use you to bring hope into the life of another person. If you have never repeated in class before, you were number one, number one, number one, number one. I remember a long time ago in primary school, in primary school, I used, I used to be number one. I used to be number one. There was a time in life I used to be number one. And when they are announcing, in, in the old days, would come to the assembly, and then they will announce, stand the one, stand the two, all the way. If they just mentioned that I am on number two, I would begin crying. Because I never thought I can be number two in life. So you can imagine you've grown like that and then you repeat. Then you begin to say, I'm a shadow of my former self. You begin to tell people, I used to be a man before. But any pain you go through in life, God wants to use it for his glory. Any pain. No matter how painful it is. God wants to use you to bring hope to another person one day. You will meet somebody who is going exactly through that. A story is told of a pastor's wife who would always stand in and encourage women whenever they have been bereaved in their church. And she would always tell the women, don't worry, your husband is in God's hands right now. Your husband is in heaven right now. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then one day her husband died. And the members do exactly what you do to them. So they came and said, my dude said, don't worry. Everything is fine. Your husband is in heaven right now. He says, no, 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 no. Don't tell me that. This one pains. So, so I, I am, sometimes I'm known as Mr. It is well. But most of times when I tell people it is well, it's because I don't know what to say. I am like Asaph in Psalm 73. Whereby you say, no, hang on a minute. When you look at all these things, at the end of the day, it will turn out okay. 
And I want to encourage you this morning. At the end of the day, it will turn out okay. The funny thing with life, I'm, uh, I like preaching about life. The funny thing about life is this. You will come to a certain point in your life. It will happen. You will remember me today. You, you come to a certain point in life when the whole world turns against you. At that point, what you say is used against you. What you don't say is also used against you. Keeping quiet is wrong. Talking is wrong. When you keep quiet, they say, uh-huh, sign of guilt. Because if she didn't do it, by now she should have talked. When you talk, they say, uh-huh, sign of guilt. He's just trying to defend himself. So, okay, so what do you want me to do now? At that point, you only wait for God's vindication. Now, interestingly, most of the time, God vindicates you after you have died. Right now, there are people who think you are very bad. There is nothing you can do to make them believe you are good. You can quote Ecclesiastes. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 7.29. Truly this only I have found. That God made man upright. I am a good person. They will say, uh-uh. You are the example of evil. That's life. Hallelujah. So that's why you need to have a solid ground. I know we ask ourselves, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? Don't waste your, your pain. Don't. Don't. Tell God, God use it. You, you, you cry, but after you have cried, pick yourself up. Don't, don't listen to somebody else who tells you, don't cry, you are strong. Ah, no. It's good to cry. It's, it's very good to cry. It's very good to cry. Because if you don't cry, it will, it will erupt one day. The volcano will come out. So if you listen to people's unmet need, if you listen to people's hurt, hidden hurts, and you begin to address that, people can come to the Lord. In Romans chapter 3.23, the Bible says, New Living Translation. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And in the Living Bible it says, Yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. How many have set up uh, New Year resolutions before? You have? When did you break them? On 1st of January or 2nd of January? 1st of January. It's, it's so funny. The standards we set for ourselves, we don't even measure up to them. How much more? God's perfect standard. If I ask right now, is there somebody else whom you have said, this one, I will not forgive. You tell me it's true. But what happens with forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. You make a choice. I'll forgive. And sometimes you go, try to make things right. They'll spit in your face. And they'll make you feel as if I don't, I don't even know the word I can use. I don't know the word I can use. It's a choice. When you forgive, you set yourself free from prison. 
When you don't forgive, you hold yourself in prison. No matter what has happened, you can choose to forgive. You can choose to forgive. And when you do that, you begin to grow spiritually. You begin to become more and more sanctified. We fail to our own standards. How much more God's standards. When you look at every human being, including the pastor preaching today, he has got, all of us have habits. All of us have habits. There are some habits that people try to ask you, change. You can't change. It's just like, that's how you eat. That's how you eat. That's how you laugh. The spiritual children of the day, they laugh the way you laugh. We have habits. We have weaknesses. You, you find all human beings have weaknesses. All human beings have hurts. And the big one, the big one, and this one, I hope you agree with me. We all have secrets that we don't want other people to know about. Dunama. All of us. Pastor, even you. Confession time. All of us. There's, there's something else that we just feel like, no, this one. I'm not going to tell you. But it's just a sign that we live in a broken world and we all fall short of God's glorious ideals. So you can discern. You can just discern by listening to what is the deepest hurt in a person's heart. Sometimes when I, when I look at people discussing things, when I look at people, I actually think a lot of the discussions we have are shallow. I do a lot of counseling, and uh, the person comes the first day to have a chat with me. I know they haven't told me the whole story. Because this is what happens. If I go to Brother Lighton, and I say, Brother Lighton, I want to talk to you, and he says, yes, talk to me, Pastor. He says, something has happened to me. And then he says, what? Then I begin to say, what I will be doing, Lighton may not understand, but what I'll be doing, I'll not be looking at Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. I've been looking at your face. Are you judging me or not judging me? That's the first thing we want to settle. We want to settle that. Is he being judgmental or not being judgmental? Is he being empathetic? Or he's just trying to be sympathetic? So we, we check it out. So we say a little bit on day one. Day number two, depending on how day number one went, we'll say slightly a bit more. we check again whether there's going to be judgment or not. The only time a person truly, truly tells you the truth is when they, you meet them for the fifth time. By number five, they know you're not being judgmental or not. Because sometimes you go like, hey, no, you're wasting my time. I came to look for help. And you say, I'm wasting your time. 
and that's how we have lost it life. It's, it's very interesting how we are not patient with each other. Especially people who have been hurt. People who have gone through things in life. Things that they cannot tell anybody about. When now, eventually, a time comes when the person says, Now, I want to tell you the truth. So, I'll tell you the truth. Most of the things that you think people have told you the truth, no, 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 no. you haven't yet. You haven't yet. You need to identify with that pain. You need to identify with, with that hidden heart, hurt in their lives. In John chapter 14, verse 6. It's only after you discern what I'm talking about that you can lead somebody to Jesus. Only when you have done that. Because there's only one way to God the Father. And that way is through Jesus Christ. Only one way. Just like this only I have found that God made man upright. In a similar manner, this only is the way to the Father. What is the way to the Father? John 14, 6, the living Bible. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way. Now, when you see that syllable there, I think that's a word, I hope so. The way. When they say, okay, this is the way, the only way. It means there is no other way. Are we together? When they say this is one of the ways, it means there are so many ways. How many ways are there to go to Blantyre? You can go via Salima, you still get to Blantyre. You can go via Deza, you still get to Blantyre. You can fly, you still get to Blantyre. And maybe several other ways. When you get to Chingen, you can go via Zomba. You still get to Blanta. You can go via Zalewa. You still get to Blanta. But if you were taught, this is the only way to go to Blanta. And somebody says, no, 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 no. For me, I'll go via Salima. Do you know they will not end up in Blanta? They will end up in Salima. If the Salima route doesn't get you to Blanta. You can even try to go to Salima, get on the lake, and then go somewhere, drop somewhere on a ship. You can make the journey as long as you want to make it. But Jesus says, I am the way. And he says, yes, and the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except by means of me. That's what Jesus says. The message puts it in a very nice way. He says, Jesus said, I am the road. Also the truth. Also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. I'll come back to this shortly. New Living Translation says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Let me go to, back to the road one. So, some years ago, I watched a clip by Isaac and Jacob. Isaac and Jacob, they met by... I think the roundabout, some, he was asking directions. Jacob was a, a foreigner who, had, who was visiting Malawi. And uh, he was asking 
Isaac. He had met Isaac on the road. So he said, uh, good morning, sir. And, and the man says, morning. He says, uh, I'm looking for directions to go to Chileka International Airport. And Isaac So he says, okay, I am the road. That's Isaac now, eh? I am, I am the road. I am the road. So Jacob is saying, mm -hmm. he says, I am the road. Now, the road, the road, the road. And, and he's busy saying, and then the road, uh, and then he's busy trying to describe a roundabout and he can't say. And, 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 and Jacob is busy asking these tough questions. So Isaac is busy trying to say, all right. And then he said, so he tries to give the directions and directions and directions. And Jacob eventually begins to laugh. Says, So Jesus says, I am the road. Not the road where Isaac. But this is the road. So Jesus says, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means every human being, the only way they can get to the Father is through Jesus. But there are many reasons why people come to Jesus. There are many reasons why people come to Jesus. Number one, some are looking for a miracle. Some are looking for a miracle. Some have questions. Some, it's because of loneliness. They're so lonely. Some is because of guilt and shame. So even the guilt, even the shame, Jesus receives it. And he gives you another hope. Others is because of fear. They are afraid. Others is because they are looking for a purpose. Others is because they have a physical need that draws them to God. Others have an emotional need. Others have a relational crisis. And for others, it's a financial crisis. For others, it's because they want to prove that Jesus is not the son of God. I think there's a guy called Lee Stober. He did everything to prove that Jesus is not the son of God. At the end of the day, he ended up meeting Jesus. Any person who has tried to prove that Jesus is not the son of God ends up meeting him and acknowledges that he's the son of God. Actually, there's a book, if not a film, that has been done called The Case for Christ. So there are thousands and thousands of reasons people tend to God. People tend to Christ. Because he is the only way. Stress, pain, suffering. All of them have got a way of grabbing our attention. Stress, pain, suffering. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot and shall not be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us through Christ Jesus. We look at your life, we see glory. We look at your life, we declare Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. So if you really want to reach somebody for the Lord, find their felt need, find their hidden hurt, find their unmet need, that will open up a conversation. So you have to listen. There's a reason why God has given us two ears and one mouth. 
The challenge we have is a lot of people listen with the intention to respond and not to understand. But God wants us to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's very, very important. Number five, our last one. People have excuses. People have excuses, but we have God's Holy Spirit and the truth. People have excuses. With the Holy Spirit on your side, with the truth on your side, you are always going to win eventually. I like it, and uh, sometimes it makes me be afraid. So as I've told you, um, there was a time when we were in school, and uh, there were people who had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with God. And whenever you try to pray, they would mock you. You meet some of those people today. The people who were, what is the word I can use? The people who were, um, what is the word I can use? Drunkards of the school or drunkards of the college. You meet them today. After they have said everything against God, after they have said all the obscene things they would say about, against God, you meet them today, they go like, brother, I used to stand there. And you find them preaching the gospel. And then those of us who at that time were walking with God, we walk away from God, we get shocked. Every human being has the opportunity and ability to be served. Every human being. That's why you should never rule out people. I would imagine Paul was ruled out. But he became the great, probably the greatest missionary after Christ. Never rule out people. There's only one person I have met in my life who refused to accept the Lord. Only one. It was a dad to a friend of ours who was very, very, very sick. We went to see him with a friend of mine at their house. I'll not tell you where. And when we got there, we asked if uh, we came to see dad. So we told no, he's not even able to get out of the bedroom. So you need to go see him in the bedroom. So they went, prepared him properly in the bedroom. We came into the bedroom. And they said, no, we came to see you. We've been told that you're not well. We spoke at length with him. And then he said, would you mind if we pray with you? Only one person in my life. I'm 50 years old now. Only one. Who in that kind of situation said no? So what I'm saying this morning is that you are not alone when you share your hope in Christ. God is with you. The Holy Spirit is and, and actually, it's so interesting. Everything that has planted, as long as it has life, it germinates. 
You you plant the word today, and somebody says, "No, I don't care about this God." Yeah, 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 yeah. And they say everything, everything, everything. I assure you, at the end of the day, they will come face to face with Jesus. They will speak like Paul. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? So that should give you a lot of confidence. And actually, when you tell people about Jesus, there is no guarantee that at that point they will accept Jesus. Even you. How many times were you preached to? If there were some difficult people to come to Christ, it's probably us. So, no, no, I want, I want, I want to be God. Come again next time. No, you, need, you can die tomorrow and say, are you trying to threaten me? We've done that. Are you, are you trying to threaten me? You want to threaten me with death? Okay, fine, I'll die. I'll die. So what? I'll die. But that word, the moment it's planted, it will germinate something. It will germinate. All you need to do is keep on praying for that person. Prayer goes to ends of the earth. Keep on praying for that person. They will surely, surely meet, come face to face with God. So that should give you a lot of confidence. Second Timothy 1 7 to 8. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. New Living Translation says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Living Bible says, for the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. If you stir up this inner power, you'll never be afraid to tell others about the Lord. So the Bible says you'll never be afraid to tell someone about the Lord if you realize the Holy Spirit's power and God's truth is in you. Don't try to paint a story. No, you know what? For me, I was very evil. I used to drink. If you have never drunk, don't try to create beer. You've never drunk. Don't say, as for me, when I'm when I was those days, when I was really, really drunk, hey, you wouldn't recognize me. You wouldn't. If you have never drunk, you've never drunk. If you have never smoked, you've never smoked. If you, ever done any, if you have never done anything evil, you have never done anything evil. And you're going to meet people exactly like you. And you tell them, but you know what? It's so funny. Life makes you realize there's something unmet inside. And you need God. Luke chapter 21. That's my last scripture, and then we'll pray. 13 to 15, the Bible says, but as a result, the Messiah will be widely known and honored. Therefore, don't be concerned about how to answer the charges against you. For I'll give you the right words and such logic that none of your opponents will be able to reply. The message, verse 15 says, I'll give you the words and wisdom that will reduce all your accusers to stammers and stutters. Contemporary English version says, but this will be your chance to tell about your faith. Don't worry about what you will say to defend yourselves. 
I'll give you the wisdom to know what to say. None of your enemies will be able to oppose you or to say that you are wrong. Because nobody can tell your story better than yourself. There's a, a friend. There's a friend. I'll, I'll tell you two, two stories about two friends of mine. One friend of mine is Jehovah's Witness. And he always says, you amaze me. And I go like, why? He says, I get amazed. People judge me all the time. And you just love me. And, and we have had great discussions and everything. And I remember one day, I was with him and his wife. And we talked and talked and talked. And I said, Pastor Abraham, please, can you pray for us? And I, I said, I pray in Jesus' name. He says, just pray. And I prayed with them in Jesus' name. And I didn't tell them, come to Jesus. But something was planted. We've been friends now for some years. He says, you always amaze me. You amaze me with the love you have for my life. The other friend, we've been friends now for about two, three years or so. I, I can go out for lunch with him. And at the very beginning, he would come. Every time we want to meet, he would come very defensive. He dares to tell me about Jesus. You'll see what I'm asking. And the Lord gave me wisdom. Not to say anything. And I can have lunch with him. I've never, I want to confess to you, I have never told him about it. Do you know you need to be saved? And the reason why I have not done that is because I want him, I want these two friends of mine to see Jesus in me. So possibly they haven't seen him yet. But, but I told God, I said, Lord, these ones, I want them to see Jesus in me. So help me. Because sometimes you love people with some issues. But I can assure you, you will never go wrong for loving people just as they are. For the Bible says, for God is love. He says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. Whosoever believes in him. Should have eternal life. When he talks for God so loved the world. He talks about the people of the world. But in 1 John 2, 15, 16. He says love not the world. Neither things in the world. When you come there. What the Bible says. Don't love the standards of the world. Don't, don't go by what the world is saying. Because even though these two friends of mine, as they are, if they tell me, so let's go and meet Papandiro and drink. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. So he says, no, don't follow the standards of the world. What is making us to become, to make it very, very hard for us to witness to people about Jesus is because everything in the world, all the standards in the world, everything that the world is doing, we have brought it into the church. And everything in the church, we have thrown it out. 
So that's why sometimes people say, I thought you said you pray. Because we can swear as the world swears, we can do whatever the world does. God is love. He says, by these men who know that you are my disciples, if you love each other. So today I want to give you a challenge. Can you love people just as they are? It's not easy. It's not easy. Next week, I'll be talking about it. So how can you exactly then make impact? Because today I just, yes, last week and today, I just wanted to show you that when you look at people in the world, don't, don't be threatened by suits. Don't be threatened by the Queen's English. There are others. I, I remember a young girl. It was a clip again. A young girl. So a boy had gone to America. Was from this rich family. And the parents had paid school fees for him. So he went to America. And uh, he came back. And the girl was still waiting for him. And... The girl says, no, this relationship has to end. And the girl says, why? He says, no, your English is too much. English is too much. And the boy says, but I love you. He says, your English, it's making my head to really act. Because she couldn't understand English. And I'm like, you went, you came, you need to speak Chichewa now. Why were you still trying to speak this English? So don't be scared about English. They need Jesus too. Hallelujah. Don't be scared about how people dress. They need Jesus. All of us need hope. All of us have questions. All of us have desires. All of us have gone through things that we need people who just love us and accept us just as we are. With love. You can never go wrong in life. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank and bless you. We want to lift up your holy name. We want to glorify you for you are our God. And Lord, I pray that in this day and age, you can use us to be vessels. We look at the world, Lord, the level of hatred in the world scares us. The intolerance with, of one another and with one another in the world, including in the church, Lord, scares us. The things happening in today's day and age, Lord, they do scare us. But we believe that you can make us to be a light in the world. We believe that you can make us to show people that we don't believe in a fake God. We believe in a true God. And I'm praying in Jesus' mighty name. That in life, Lord, we go through emotional abuse. Physical abuse. Emotional trauma. Psychological trauma. Psychological abuse. And, 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 and all sorts. Sometimes even spiritual abuse. And Lord, if there is a place where some of us have truly, truly been hurt has been in the church. That we decided we're going to walk away from God. But today, Lord, I am praying for healing. I pray for healing. I pray for healing. You may be here today 
I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to say, come in front. I'm not going to ask you any of that. But you are here this morning and saying, Pastor McDuff, everything you have shared today, it's as if you know my story. And truly, I'm about to give up on my faith. I'm about to walk away today. Possibly it was going to be my last day to come to church. But somehow I said, let me just go and see. Or maybe you have wondered whether your life has meaning at all. Possibly you've got loads and loads of unanswered questions. And you wonder why you've been so victimized so much. And then you begin to doubt, is God there? If he's there, why can't he come through for me? And somehow he's saying, but I th- and now I've understood that all the fundamental all these fundamental questions, the answers are in Jesus Christ and in his word. And you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want to surrender my heart and my life to you. Take full control of my life. Everything else is sinking sand. My hope is in you. And pastor, I want you to pray with me today. If you are there and you want to be reunited with God, you want to make peace with God, you want to come to God. And he's saying, Pastor, I want you to pray with me today. Can you just lift up your hand? I'll pray for you. Anyone else? All right. So I just want you, all of us will pray together. You can take the hand down. We'll join to pray together. I just want you to say, Heavenly Father, all of us, let's help. Let's help our, our brother, sister. Let's say, Heavenly Father, I know that I was created by you for good works which you prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Today I pray believing that you came on earth you died you were buried you rose again from the dead for my eternal salvation. Today I ask, come into my life. Take full control of my life. To the glory and praise of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. The last prayer point is, you are there and uh, you are going through a lot. And all you are looking for is comfort. All you are looking for is the Lord to come through for you. All you are saying is, Lord... It's too much. It's too much. I just need you to come through for me and uh, possibly heal my hurt, answer my questions, or whatever it is. You just, you know, you just need prayer. I just want you to lift up your hand. I will just pray for you. I'm not going to ask you what it is. Just lift up your hands. I just want to pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I have stood here today and said all the answers to questions of life are in Jesus and his word. They have questions. They have answers. They have a need. They need you to come through for them. Some of them is a a breakthrough for a job. Some of them it's a miracle. There are so many things represented by these hands. And Jesus, you are the answer. Some of them is favor. 
something for them, oh God, is for somebody to do them good. Some of them have wondered, has my life meaning at all? All sorts, oh God, I'm praying in Jesus' name. Give them an answer. Even for those that have wondered, can my mistakes or my past be redeemed? Lord, I want you to answer them and tell them, yes, it can. I can give you hope again. So I pray as I entrust them into your hands that Lord, you be glorified, you be exalted, you be lifted up. Be with them, O oh Lord. Meet them at their point of need and meet them at their point of expectation. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We pray for favor upon their life. Let it be well with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's finish the service. Let's just quickly turn to our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. And I'm just going to read a scripture and then we do the Holy Communion. Uh, we have Holy Communion every first Sunday. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.